and time again, and uh, we want to bring them back to your remembrance. It's going to be from the 14th chapter of Numbers, about the 27th verse. A few verses here. How long shall I bear with this evil congregation which murmur against me? I have heard the murmurings of the children of Israel which they murmur against me, saying to them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken in mine ears, so will I do to you. Your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. All that are numbered of you, according to your whole number, from twenty years old and upward, which have murmured against me. Doubtless ye shall not come into the land, concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, which you said shall be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. But as for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. And we want to bring you over to Joshua 3, and to expedite time, let's go to the fifth verse. And Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourself, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. I want to back up now purposely to the fourth verse, and yet there shall be a space between you and it, and two thousand cubits my measure come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way hitherto. You may be seated. It's always been a fascinating subject to me, although I'm not inclined in that direction. It's always been a fascinating subject to me concerning the caterpillar and then its turn into the butterfly. What is it they call that? Anybody know what they call that? I knew it until I got a... a what? Metamorphosis. All right. Thank you, Brother Bruce. And it's always been... It's, it's really interesting to me. And in reading that, and we do read things besides the Bible... But in reading that, I come across something that was just kind of a little light bulb in my uh, head. I was reading concerning what they called a processionary caterpillar. And actually, this was at the time when they were getting ready to change from the caterpillar to the butterfly. And the leader would simply begin and start someplace... I suppose to the place where they would make the change and uh, the others would get right in behind him and follow him until there was times when one in the group seemed to lose sight of the leader. He would veer from the course and those that directly behind him or it or whatever it was would follow it. But because it was not a leader... And because it had lost sight of the leader, it began to go in a circle and continued in that circle until they died. And when I read that, it reminded me of the scriptures that I just read. Now, those caterpillars never got a chance to make the change. They were going to wherever they go and to do whatever they were going to do uh, to make the change in some ways, somehow, one veered from the course. They veered from the course, of course, others that were directly behind them 
followed them, and eventually they started just going in a circle. And of course, not being the leader, not knowing what to do or where to go, they just simply wandered in the circle and continued there till their life as a caterpillar ended. As I looked at that, I thought there was caterpillars that never got a chance to become butterflies. And you say, what's that got to do with us? Well, looking at the scriptures I just read, I don't know how many individuals there were that wandered in the wilderness simply because somebody somewhere lost sight of the leader, which was God, or God's man, however you want to put it. And of the millions, perhaps, that died wandered in a circle because they didn't know anything else to do, and those that died before they could become what God wanted them to become. And of course, when we look at it today, we think, well, those things are past and those things are gone. But I wonder about so many people that has lost sight of God, that have lost sight of the reality of God, that have lost sight of the leadership of God and that which is placed that simply have been going in a circle, doing the same things over and over, never finding anything new in God whatsoever, and going in a circle until they die before they become what God wants them to become. Something within my heart stirred as I began to stand on the River Jordan and its banks as I watched this congregation of Israel that had went in a circle for 40 years. Here they were standing, ready to cross the promised land. All but two of these individuals was at least 60 years old and younger. Some stood 40 years before that at the edge of the land, and they could remember the miracles of God as he brought them out from the Red Sea on dry ground. They could remember the miracles of God in the wilderness, they have watched this plagues destroyed, and those individuals was destroyed by rebellion. Of course, they can watch their loved ones as they died needlessly through the plagues, and was destroyed with others because of core and rebellion of that. And then you stood there, and others were born in the wilderness. They knew nothing about any of the miracles and the deliverance from Egypt, except what was told them. And now after 40 years of going in a circle, after 40 years, and this is what they did, they simply just roamed in a circle. They passed one thing, and maybe a few years later they would pass the same thing again until the wilderness become known to them. They knew when they passed by, they knew where spring was at, that God brought the water from them. They knew certain places, and they become acquainted with the wilderness, and many of them, fell in love with the wilderness because God fed them there and there was manna there. But now they're standing in the same place 40 years later with a new leader and with a new generation ready to cross unto a land that had been promised them and their fathers 40 years ago. I want you to imagine, if you can, what must go through the minds of those individuals as they stood there. In the back of their mind was the rejection of the land, those that knew by their fathers. In the back of their minds was all that they underwent. 
all the trials and tribulation as well as the miracles that they had uh, in the wilderness. And now then they were being asked to come from that which they were not acquainted with. That's what they had become accustomed to, even though it was a wilderness. They had become accustomed to that, and many had died just simply because they were going nowhere. Let me stop long enough to say that in this day and hour that you and I live in, many Christians have died spiritually because we simply have been going nowhere. We have started out for a promised land, under the leadership and guidance of the divine power of the Holy Ghost, and someplace, somewhere, down through the periods of time, I couldn't exactly put a time on it, someplace, sometime, we have lost sight of leadership. We have lost sight of the Holy Ghost. We have lost sight of God. And because of that, there is no leadership into anything new. All we seem to want in that seems to be in almost every church. We seem to want to stay someplace that we are acquainted with. We seem to want to see the same things day in and day out. Things that we, we're secure in for some reason, regardless of the heartache that it gives, regardless of the pressure that is upon us, there's something about being secure in surroundings that we are familiar with. And that has been the reason that churches have stagnated. That has been the reason why when Martin Luther opened up a new idea, people followed for a while, and someplace, someplace, at some time they started following and going around in a circle, and that denomination, in a sense, has died. Come on down through uh, the Lutherans, the Methodists, the Baptists, the Presbyterian, the Nazarenes, and, and the Catholics, and on and on you can go until we're brought down to Pentecostalism was, was born in the fire of the power of the Holy Ghost and God began to open up new avenues, began to open up new ways, began to shake man from his forms and formalities, began to introduce to him the power of the residing God inside of him that we could have God in us, the hope of glory, and begin to manifest the presence of God and begin to lead us out from the wilderness experience and bring us to the edge of a promised land and points out there and says that's yours that belongs to you and someplace in Pentecostalism somewhere someplace I don't know where it has happened but somewhere we lost sight of the leadership of the Holy Ghost we failed to realize who the Holy Ghost was failed to recognize who God had set it in failed to recognize the leadership the anointed the appointed leadership of God himself and we lost sight of that somebody did they veered from that place where we could have been changed from glory to glory, and we begin running in a circle. But things become acquainted to us. We've run our circle. We've run our, run our gauntlet. And I know some of you is not going to like this, but we pass through the air of dress. We pass through the air of hair. We pass through the air of baptism. We pass through the air of the Holy Ghost and through the air of self-righteousness. And all the time we start out, 
can we come back in a circle? Oh, we know the right noises to make. We know how to look. We know how to sound pious. And we know all of those things. And all the time we're running in a circle, going by the same streams all the time, giving us a drink, asking God to give us some miracles in our life, and asking God to give us the manna and to feed us. And yet God has said, you have yet to take the promised land. You have yet to get the things that I have in store for you. Everything you have got has been through a wilderness experience. Somebody said, oh, that's not so, but it is so. Friend, it is so. We have never crossed Jordan. As far as that's concerned, the church has simply headed that way. But we have never realized the full potential of what God wants us to be. Amen? We have never recognized the power God has within us. And when God faces us with something strange, and He says, Now look, I want to tell you something. When you cross this Jordan... I'm going to take care of you that you're going to go a place and a way that you have never been before. And you know the greatest hindrances of the building of a church is people say, well, we've tried this before and it hasn't worked. Uh, we never tried that before. And all of this. And when we do this, God brings us. Generation, brother girl, after generation, he brings us to the edge of a promised land. And he said, did you know that I promised this to you 2,000 years ago when the early church was struck with the fire of the Holy Ghost and you have failed to get what I want you to get. You have failed to become. The transfer from the caterpillar to the butterfly hasn't happened because many times we're just going in a circle. We can't get to the place where the change comes. And God looks at us sometimes and says, Now, I brought you here. But you know, He was talking to people in spite of their difficulties. Amen? In spite of what happened to them, he was talking to a people that thought the wilderness experience was better than the promised land. And why did they think that? Because in the wilderness, God had always done everything for them. Amen? Not one thing did they have to do for themselves. God gave them manna from heaven. God opened the rocks. And water gushed forth from the rock. And God put a brazen serpent for the healing of those that were sick and those that were afflicted. And now the promised land. Where it can really make a change, God says, in that land there's going to be fights. And you are going to have to do the fighting. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be in you. I'm going to let you realize that it is a battle you can win. But there's Jericho's out there. There's A's out there. And there's cities out there that the devil has taken. But it's my land. I want you to remember, it's my land. I give it to you. It's your land. It's not theirs. They're just dwelling in it because nobody has had the power and intestinal fortitude enough to get out of the wilderness, quit running around in a circle, and go a way that they have never been before. I want you to imagine what came over those individuals in the early church when they had to stand for a crucified Lord risen again. It had never happened. But yet they were told you can't run around in this circle. You're going to die. 
And die a lot of people did. And what about the revival in the 1900s when the individuals came from the place where they were just running in circles? And they separated themselves from that because it was going nowhere. It was getting no place. The same old things over and over. The same old ways over and over. Jumping up and down on the same old stones over and over. And never, never wanting to experience anything new in God. Satisfied in the wilderness. Amen? And we look at those people and wonder what's the matter with them. Why are they so satisfied out there when there's been plagues out there and ever since they have refused to promise land, their loved ones have died? Do you realize some of them was just a little over 60 years old when they died and that was real young? Do you realize that the earth opened up and swallowed a lot of them and yet they seem to be content to dwell in the wilderness? They seem to be content to just run in that circle. You see, after so long a time, after we do the same things over and over, and after God reveals some good things, and there are some good things, you can't get down on everything that God gave us that day when the refreshing of the power of the Holy Ghost came, that we have stood on those things, and, and we've jumped up and down on those things, and God is trying to tell us, I've got something greater than that out there. I've I've got something you've never known before and I would like you to have that. But he says now, you're going to have to recognize the leader. And that's God. And you're going to have to recognize the leadership which he said and he put Joshua there. Moses is dead. My servant Moses is dead. Joshua is the leader. He's not going to lead you in that merry-go-round anymore because if you stay there you're going to die and so they're standing there and Joshua gives them explicit destructions God has to go first amen you see man can't just make up his mind that he's going to do something God has to go first so you take the uh, uh, you take the ark of the covenant and you stay so far behind it, 2,000 cubits by measure, and you do this so you'll keep sight of it, so you can see where it's going, because you haven't been this way before. You see, you can lose your way. If you go into the depths of God, you can lose your way without the leadership of God. And all how we like to jump up and down on things we know about, places we've been, the areas that we have covered and somehow, way, in our feeble mentality we seem to think that's all God has for us and all the time we're running in circles and individuals are spiritually dying they die in the wilderness amen but one thing about it if they die in the promised land, it's not because they're wondering and don't know where to go. It's because they fall in battle. And there is a difference. A lot of individuals have died wondering. I don't know whose fault this is, but we have become accustomed. We want to make that circle and pass by those things we are familiar with. 
God don't take us any place that we can't see those things that we become so accustomed to. I want us to pass by that rock where God exalted Himself and where Moses exalted Himself. I want to pass by that every year because I really feel secure in that. I want to pass by that place where in the rebellion of Korah the earth opened up and swallowed no telling how many people. I don't want to pass by there because I feel secure in knowing this. And what about the serpent that he lifted up in the wilderness when plagues was destroying people and all he said, what you got to do is fasten your eyes on that. I don't want to fasten my eyes on that and look at that because I'm comfortable in that. Well, what about when God comes and says, Now, I'm going to take you somewhere that you have never been. You're going to die if you keep following that circle. Spiritually die. And those that we lead sometimes, that you realize you're responsible yourself, just as that caterpillar is, he was responsible for that one behind him. Now, we don't like to take that. We like to put it on the preacher or on the Sunday school superintendent or upon the elders of the church. And some way we can't recognize that we are responsible for that individual that's following us, behind us, because all they see is us. That's all the world sees is a church. Now, if we are content to run around in the wilderness and the acquainted things, that's all the church sees us do or all the world sees us do. And while we're wandering in the wilderness, they also know this. We haven't solved any problems. The plagues are still out there. People are still dying. We haven't experienced, we haven't got to the place to where our change is going to come. Metamorphosis hasn't happened to God's people. And it can't happen as long as we're just running in a circle. Where God wants us to go, we haven't got there yet. And God is telling Joshua, 40 years ago, 11 days journey, my people turned it into 40 years of wonderings. And in their wonderings, they got comfortable. Amen. Now, am I too far off base to tell us this morning that in our wonderings, and the failures of leadership somewhere are us to recognize leadership somewhere of the Holy Ghost. We've decided that this is all there is. There ain't no more. And we just as well be satisfied in this wilderness running around in a circle because we're going to die anyway. And we've got so accustomed to that. Somebody comes along and tells us you ain't there yet. You're not what you ought to be. We haven't reached it yet. The promised land is still out there. And there are still giants out there. Nobody has defeated them yet. They're still there. In fact, very few people has even uh, drawn combat or contact with them. Because it's safer in the wilderness. Even with all of our sicknesses, all our diseases, all the pressures of our life, when we stand right there and God says now it's out there but it's not easy but in spite of it all it's easier than the wilderness but we're acquainted here we like this 
How many people sit comfortable in a message that doesn't shake us up any? Amen? Some place where we have did all of this stuff. And that's what we want to hear about. Just things that we have done. Areas that we have covered. Places where there is no condemnation to us because we've fulfilled it all. We just run in that circle and we want to pass by ever so often. And we'll never experience the change that God has got for us. We'll never be in the wilderness in that circle. We'll never get the chance to feel the change that God has got for us. I'm talking about here, in this world, not the great change we're going to have, but the change of moving from the wilderness into the promised land, where God has made us slaves no longer to the appetites of sin and despair, where God has let us know that there is something about us that we can depend on, areas where we know that we are not slaves anymore. But we are soldiers of the cross. That the land is before us and we can possess the land. Every place our feet has set upon can be ours. But God has said, now you haven't been this way before. A lot of things you are not acquainted with. A lot of things you're going to hear about that's backed up by my word, but you haven't heard them because you haven't been concerned about them. All you want to hear about is what you have experienced and the overcoming portions in your life. And God is trying to tell us that we can stay in the wilderness and be slaves, be fed manna, kind of like little baby birds. Just open our mouth and say, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. But I've got news for you. In the land of promise, the minute... They set foot in that land and ate that food of that land, the manna ceased. What a change. Where simply God was saying you're old enough and you're strong enough and you are mature enough to take this land that I have given you and produce your own. But Lord, I like manna. I'm a manna addict. You know, I'm a manaholic. And we are so used to God's feed. Feed, feed, feed. Just feed me. Immature, we sit there and think, Oh God, if I've got to do that, I just want to go back into the wilderness. And God, there's giants out there. How in God's name are we going to take a city? I want you to look closely. This is not a big town. This is a little one. But it's filled with demonic forces. It's filled with the activity of demonic forces of hell. There's giants out there. But that land is not theirs. God said this town could be ours. But he also tells us, not wandering in the wilderness, because you'll spiritually die there. I mean, you can jump up and down on the same old things over and over and over and feel comfortable in those. But God says, now I've got to lead you in a way that you have never been before. 
And that takes a courageous man and a courageous woman to lock the doors on their homes. I'm not telling you you're going to have to move out from here, but just an example, to lock the doors on their home and get away from their familiar surroundings that they have become comfortable in and go where God told them to go, not even knowing where it is. And knowing all the time that you could lose your life in a fight. But knowing one thing, you would be a fallen soldier of the cross and not a slave killed by the wanderings in the wilderness. There is a difference in how you die. There is a difference in how you die. Whether you die fighting, whether you die desiring and wanting to find a place and a way. And God was telling them, Joshua's your captain, he's your leader. All of those that have wondered and desired and turned their back on me are dead. I said they would die. They couldn't receive their change. Now you're going to cross Jordan. There's the promised land. The only difference was these individuals were soldiers. I'm asking this morning, soldiers of the cross, where are we? Don't you know, friend? Aren't you aware of the fact that there is still some places to go? That there's still some things to do? And we have not heard it all. We have not even done what we have heard. And there's places for God's people to go. And new continents to explore and conquer. And places we need to recognize that God said he would lead us there. But he did say he'd lead us. He didn't say he would force us. And the question still stands... As it did then, do we wander in the wilderness where everything is familiar to us? Where we're satisfied? Where in spite of the pressures and in spite of the diseases that plague us, it's a familiar place. And many of us, come on, many of us would rather be there because it's scary out there. Because we haven't been there before. There's areas that we haven't touched. There's demands on our life. Demands the same as they was on those Israelites that crossed over the river Jordan. There was demands on their life and their activities that had never been on them in the wilderness. God could have said... The same way I fed you in the wilderness, the same way I brought you water from the rock, and the same way I healed you, and the same way I forgave you, I'll do the same thing in the other land. I'll destroy Jericho. I'll destroy all the other cities. But he didn't say that. He simply said, it's your land. I'm going to lead you across in it, and I want you to come. But the rest of it is up to you. I'll be with you, but it is up to you. In other words, Jericho came first. Now God could have immediately just tore the walls down. But this is a place they had never been before. And they were asked to do something they had never done before. Start marching around those thick walls. 
and you just march and let your trumpets blow and you sing or whatever you want to do and you march around there. But the last time you march around, I don't want you to say a word. That's hard for Pentecost people to keep quiet. Amen. I don't want you to do anything until the appropriate time. And then I want you to shout and blow the trumpets. And when you do, I'll bring the walls down. But you've got to do this. And to a group of people that had already rejected God would have never done it. And on and on you could go where God fought the battle. Other places you could go where they fought with swords, where they fought with spears. Many of the sons and daughters fell, but they died in peace.